Gears and Nachos. Gears and Nachos. Adam, we're back. Man, what a what a way to come back right now. <laughs> I'm excited. I am too, man. I'm pumped. Uh, we've been a while. We're hit and miss. Um, thought I had the coronavirus. Not really. I never did. But uh, that's terrible. I shouldn't say that. Um, but I, I'm, I'm glad to be back at it, man. Uh, talking to some great people, having some fun. Um, get things rolling, man. Well, we got a really exciting guest. We're going to uh, introduce him in just a second. But uh, man, Gears and Nachos, like we're, we're kind of taking off here. Uh, season two has been better than ever. And I guess you and I are both shocked that people actually listen to this. But we we started off, of course, as a reminder to all the listeners that, you know, Bryce Kenny and Adam Anderson just thought that we would have like we always had really good conversations over a plate of nachos, uh, typically around things that had to do with gears and things that go really fast or jump really high. And we didn't know if anyone would listen to it or not. And dude, Adam, people are listening to this thing. So. I know it, man. It's great. I, I, I mean, I was hoping we would be like have millions of people listening, but <laughs> thousands of them are great too. So it's better than well, most. Uh, so that's awesome. Well, I'm pumped about it. The good news is we thought season two would be kind of the like we we thought okay if we got a thousand listens by season two right then we would have made it we averaged that on season one and season two is blowing that number those numbers out of the water so I think we're in good shape here but uh, we had a big week last week we were in the what we deemed as the muffin van and it was a it was a a, a, a pretty big operation pretty pretty important trip that we made down to Florida to, to film the monster jam stunt tacular show, which is coming to discovery channel. It's the kickoff to shark week. Yeah. And, uh, we filmed a, the, our encore, what we're calling the encore episode. And it's going to be the encore to the discovery channel monster jam stunt tacular show. So as soon as that discovery channel, uh, uh, airs the stunt tacular episode, if you will, uh, which is supposed to be a three hour event, then we're going to publish and air a special podcast episode, which is going to include me and you, of course, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan Anderson, Kristen Anderson, Barry Musauer, and the legendary Dennis Anderson. And uh, it's from this 18 passenger van that me, you, Ryan, and Kristen road trip down to Florida in, which I was pretty it. special. I loved it. One of the best times ever, man. And, uh, yeah. It really uh, going back in and 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 being a part of what uh, what Monster Jam is again and having some fun, uh, but probably one of the most exciting things um, for me was to uh, meet a guy that I have watched uh, in my adult life on television. I don't know if you call him a TV personality or or uh, a spokesperson. I don't know, but I always I watch this guy, and this guy agreed to come on our show. I cannot believe it. Yeah. And, and we didn't, uh, we didn't even, uh, trick him into it either. That's the, the best thing about it. So uh, you can call him TV personality. I'm gonna call him, uh, Mr. Hollywood. Uh, Chris Jacobs is with us and he's the host of so many different things, but I knew him from overhauling the show with Chip Foose. Uh, Chris and Chip seem to be like really cool buddies. And, uh, it, it's so much fun to watch their dynamic, but he's, He's got his hands in all sorts of things. Uh, if you watch the SpaceX launch on Discovery Channel, he was the host of that. Uh, Discovery Channel seems to really use you, Chris Jacobs, for so many things, as they should. But, dude, I don't know if you've had this honor before bestowed upon you to this level, but welcome to the Gears and Nachos podcast. Let me tell you, buddy, this is a big deal. I, I like to consider myself a jackass of all trades. You know, I do, I do a lot of different things and I try to bring my own special brand of personality to it. But yeah, man, what a, what a great buildup and what a great uh, time we had down there in Florida. Bryce, it was great to hang with you again. And Adam, it was great to meet you and, and hang with you and get to know your legendary family on a personal basis, man. I had a blast down there. Well, here's why. Let me tell you something. This is what qualified you, in my mind, to be on the Gears and Nachos podcast. This is what made you Gears and Nachos material. It's not because you're all over TV and you're you're a, a car guy at heart and all that stuff. You're one of us from from what we've gotten to know about you. But it was because we were down in Florida 
And me, Ryan, Adam, and Kristen, and Bari were at a hibachi restaurant. We got a text from Diesel Dave. And he said, man, he said, Heavy D's not coming out to hang out with us. And uh, we're doing a pool party. And, of <laughs> course, we're like, yeah, we're in, you know. And so we, we boogie down the highway in our 18-passenger Ford Sprinter van and show up at this hotel. And we're, we're, we're jumping all in this pool. None of us really have bathing suits on. We're, we'll call them makeshift bathing suits. It was underwear. It was underwear, yeah. And uh, we're, we're kind of like hanging out. We're having a good time, uh, cutting jokes. And my main man, Chris Jacobs, comes out of the hotel and, and comes out there. And it's not like Chris just walks up and says, oh, hey, guys, what's up? You know, and kind of sits there for a minute at least. He immediately does – you know, arguably the worst cannonball I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Yeah. But a cannonball nonetheless in cargo shorts. <laughs> and, and and it was in that moment whenever you splashed the two random strangers uh, <laughs> that were beside us with your cannonball, I was like, this guy's got he, – he's one of us. He's, he's gears and nachos material. <laughs> well, Diesel Dave challenged me. So, you know, I, I never turned down a cannonball challenge. There's just no way. And the best part about a cannonball is the person doing the cannonball, unless someone videotapes it, never knows how good or bad the cannonball is. So all <laughs> cannonballs like feel really good. Like when you hit yeah. the water, you're like that was the greatest cannonball ever. So for you to say it was arguably not the greatest cannonball in the world, I don't know. I, I got to take umbrage with you because it felt great. And it, it knocked Diesel Dave's phone out. I think he was FaceTiming someone and the splash actually knocked him off of FaceTime. So that's got to well, count for thing. something. That's the thing. Do you measure a good cannonball with the width of the splash or the height? I don't know. That's probably for another debate. I think for the most time. people who get wet, that's the that's the measure of the cannonball. Like if you well, annoy somebody and really get yeah. them wet, then it's a good cannonball. Well, then then it was a fantastic cannonball because you, you, you hit off the screen. It's all, it's all <laughs> yeah, based you, on you, the, uh, the, the, the measuring stick. You annoyed everybody in the pool, so it was awesome. <laughs> Uh, it was the best one go. ever. Mission, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. <laughs> and I will say the icing on the cake, and uh, I don't want to tell on you here, but the icing on the cake, you got out of the pool, and uh, and and like you know, Chris Jacobs, Mister Hollywood here, and all of a sudden there was you were like, hey, is anybody anybody uh, see some chapstick somewhere? <laughs> the chapstick. <laughs> I forgot oh, about that. Store. Well, yeah, the chapstick. Yeah. Someone, someone had fished it out of the pool and put it on the uh, the deck, and so. I I'm getting a uh, call there. Sorry about that. Um, good. Yeah. So yeah, they uh, they I I got my chapstick back. So that was kind of like a bonus because chapstick is like your wallet and your phone. You can't leave Dude, home without it. I'm a chap. I'm a I'm a chapstick guy. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm a chapstick guy. It's terrible, and especially if I'm working on something or concentrating, I lick my lips like a weirdo, <laughs> and, and I have to have it, or else I will just. I run a lot of equipment, and uh, and if I sit on like excavator or the bulldozer or something like that, I will have such bad chapped lips. I look like I'm a, about a seven year old kid that's been drinking Kool Aid all day. You gotta have it, and you you never miss your chapstick more than when you don't have it. <laughs> True. You know what I'm well. Here's one of the cool things too. You, uh, so you and I met last year in May for the Monster Jump Live when Heavy right. D jumped the uh, Brodozer over a flying airplane. Yep. And Absolutely. I'll be honest with you, man. Like I know that was just a run of the mill thing for you, but that was, I mean, that was my first look at a live TV production, and it was mind blowing to me to see what Discovery Channel was putting in there, doing and and uh, piecing together. And uh, I'll be honest, man, I was super nervous. So when you and I first met, it was in the script read. And I don't know if you remember this, but uh, all of a sudden we're sitting in this, uh, we're, we're with Discovery Channel uh, execs, we're with uh, McGill Entertainment execs, we're with uh, all of the Monster Jam execs. And the, the idea was to run through this, you know, the, the, the script for the show as much as, you know, and to try to piece together some things for it and get a, get a common direction. Well, everybody had words and paragraphs and, and my whole job there during this live broadcast uh, for the Monster Jump Live, or setting records with the with uh, Tanner Godfrey jumping the side by side, and Todd LaDuke doing a forward momentum backflip, and and of course Heavy D jumping the airplane. My job was to help co-host whenever I was needed. And uh, we're reading through this script. Well, I start flipping through this script, and everybody's got real words that somebody, some writer, has made them. And I find I finally find me. I'm like in segment ten, 
And it just, and, and the whole point of this whole script read was to have everybody in their own voices read off what the writer had made and kind of get a sense for the flow of the show. Well, it gets, it gets to Bryce Kenny in segment 10, and all it says is, in you know parentheses, ad-libs response. <laughs> and like it, that's, that's great because, you know, that's what I was going to end up doing. But the problem with that is I was in front of everybody who didn't have a clue who I was, and I felt like I was like auditioning to keep this spot in this segment. So I didn't listen to anything anybody was saying for 30 minutes of going through the script read. My whole thing, the whole time I was sitting there in this uh, trailer with everybody around this table was trying to figure out what I was going to say whenever they, whenever they finally got to our segment to say something. And I completely overdid it. I over uh, said it. I mean, I, I went like deep into my responses because I was just trying to let everyone know that I wasn't a complete moron and that they could trust something of what I said. But I felt like I was auditioning, man. That stuff is intense. And you just jump in that thing. You, 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 you know, handled it like a complete boss, like you've done it a thousand times, which I'm sure that you have. But do you even remember that whole script read last year? Yeah, yeah, I, de- I definitely remember uh, being in that script read. And, you know, it's always a great kind of part of the process because it's really where people for the first time are getting together and, you know, you're, you're getting a sense of personalities and rhythm and flow and things like that. But, you know, I always approach it just as relaxing and having fun. The great thing about live TV is you only get one chance. So you might as well just appreciate it and enjoy it because it's not going to happen again. And I, I, I guess I was born without the gene to be nervous doing live TV because I really don't get nervous at all. I love it for that very reason. Um, you know, what we just did down in Florida was to tape, obviously. So you get a little bit more of a chance to mess up if you need to. But in my book, you know, I, I like just having that one chance because – First of all, not everybody can do it. And then also you just do it once and it's done. So I don't know. I love doing live TV. And I, I certainly remember the uh, the script read and meeting you for the first time. And I have the utmost respect for what you guys do because you guys are badasses. You know, you get up in those uh, Monster Jam trucks and, and make them do the things that you do. It's incredible to me. And so I look at you guys like the rock stars uh, instead of the other way around. I'm just talking about the cool things that you guys do. <laughs> well, I honestly, man, I was uh, I felt like, uh, you know, our script read went really well this uh, this go around uh, on my end of things. Uh, you know, when it says uh, on, on for me to improv, I'm like, uh, I absolutely had no nervousness whatsoever and I was ready for it. And I, I'm pretty sure that uh, we knocked it out of the park. So uh, I'm, a, <laughs> yeah, I'm but a, they didn't. They I'm going to ask you to die. do it in front of everybody. We're, you know, this oh, past one was spectacular. We were sitting under the tent and they were like, hey, you guys can stay if you want. You don't have to. <laughs> and so all of us kind of, you know, got up and left. But, dude, could you imagine like sitting there and, and all of a sudden you having to impress everybody with what you got to say? I should have just like, you know, made up something like, okay, so I guess I'll, you know, ad lib a response tomorrow during this live event. Yeah, that's <laughs> what you do. You know what I did? Which basically so I, what we did. Yeah. I did I, what I did. I went when I took I took theater in high school so I could learn to talk in front of people because I knew one day I would. And I was so scared. And you know what I did for improv? I, I in front of the entire class, I pretended to almost uh, take a crap in my pants. That's what I did. I was looking for the stall and I finally found the bathroom and, and I made it. And that's what I did. And that was for me to learn how to not be shy in front of people, Bryce. <laughs> yeah, but that was in your preparation to be Chris Farley, right? That it was, was it was. That was my yeah. life goal to be Chris Farley. But yeah. um, well, hey, Chris, I wanted to ask you, uh, just uh, you know, what is like your what was your first impression uh, coming into the crazy world of being around the Monster Jam trucks and around the people of Monster Jam? What was your actual first impression of everybody and everything that you got to be a part of and got to see? Well, I mean, I was, first of all, most impressed with the passion, you know, I mean, you guys are so passionate about it and it's so cool. And I'm an old school monster truck guy, you know, I mean, Bigfoot was the big thing when I was uh, growing up. And so I, you know, I remember going to these things and Adam, I think I told you, I think I saw your dad perform in, uh, in Gravedigger at the Rosemont Horizon when I was growing up. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's been, it's been a thing for me for a long time. So to get to kind of see the mechanics of it and especially you know i don't want to 
talk about what happened down in Florida, but seeing kind of the inside, uh, the mechanics running around and, and doing their thing. And I think, you know what I'm talking about with uh, Todd, the Duke's oh, yeah. truck. Oh yeah. Um, that was amazing to me. And I, and I, and I, and I love it and I love seeing it and, and what you guys pull off and you keep raising the bar and, and it's just really, really cool to me. So I was very impressed with monster jam and, uh, you know, you guys offered to have me out there, uh, uh, when, the, when the show comes to Anaheim and I'm definitely taking you up on that. And I want the full rock star treatment, by the way, yeah. I want, like, you know, behind oh, the scenes. Yeah. No, and, no, and, hey, I'll tell no. you what, uh, Bryce, Bryce was gracious enough to, um, uh, have a friend of mine and his son come to see them at a show and he gave them a, you know, behind the scenes tour and uh, let him wear his uh, Jersey and stuff. And Bryce, so thank you very much for, for being such a good guy to my friend and his son on that. And that's kind of organization you guys have. Everyone's super down to earth and super friendly. And most of all, you guys appreciate the fans and that's who you're doing it for. Well, no problem. And, and we had a blast that time. Mark was the guy that showed up and, and, uh, he, he became a buddy just because it's funny too, because like, you, you know, you're talking about, you're talking about the, the, the people that you want to take care of. And it's not because people are who they are one way or the other. It's because it's the right thing to do. And like, I think that, I think that you can see through that with certain people in terms of the people that are doing it to gain something. And what I'm trying to say is, you know, I remember when I got that message from you saying, hey, you know, i got a buddy that's coming up with his family. And, and I remember thinking to myself, gosh, you know what, Chris, when I met him last May at the Monster Jam Live thing, I, I it, it seemed like you were very genuine. You were very down to earth. Uh, you know, you didn't have your ego wrapped up in this. And and yet you were very good at what you do. Uh, to me, it was like, man, it, it's it, that's an easy decision to uh, to, to take as much time, whether, it, and it was very limited that weekend, I will say just because of how chaotic it was, but it was a no brainer to make sure that, you know, that you had your people taken care of for something like that. And, and, uh, and it goes with all monster jam fans. It's ridiculous how, like you said, passionate and, and you were giving us credit for being passionate. I will say, because my background is not in, in monster trucks. My background was in professional drag racing, and there are very passionate fans in professional drag racing. Uh, but I will say, I think I think Monster Jam fans and the people that are listening to this podcast, whether they're Monster Jam fans or not, uh, I think they're some of the most passionate human beings on planet Earth. And whether it's people that Chris Jacobs tells someone to go and host or whether it's someone that's just reaching out on, uh, on social media, I, I will say I think it's easy to want to try to give people a unique experience because monster jam, you just, you know, we've always said that, and this isn't to promote just monster jam in of itself, but you know, fans never forget the first time that they see a truck flying through the air. And you just said it, like you said, you, you don't, you, you don't, or you don't or have not forgotten. Like you remember crystal clear the first time you saw Dennis Anderson perform. Yep. Well, that's like, you know, that's like when people talk about Garth Brooks and how good of an entertainer he is. Man, I love Dennis Garth Brooks. <laughs> I do too, man. Gosh, don't let me go off on a rabbit trail, but everyone needs to watch the Netflix documentary. There's a, It's a two-part documentary on Netflix on Garth Brooks, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's so good because of how much he loves his fans. But Dennis Anderson is that way, and Chris Jacobs remembering going to Rosemont, which, by the way, man, they still have six shows in a weekend for Rosemont. Six wow. shows in a weekend when when Monster Jam shows up, and they fill that arena every single time. That's kind of the level of passion that everyone has when they go out there. So you were in good uh, good company all those yeah. years back. Yeah, yeah, man. And and they don't call it the Rosemont Horizon anymore. It's something else. But that used to be like the go to venue outside of Chicago where I grew up. Um, you know, the Rosemont was always concerts and Monster Jam and and stuff like that. So great, great memories there. Yeah, good. What the heck is it called now? I can't even remember what it's called now. I, it's been a couple of years since I've been there, but yeah. Um, honestly, honestly, Chris, dude, it's like uh, I was kind of excited for you to be on here because uh, you're somewhat out of our, our realm. For you know, most of the, the talk is about monster trucks, monster jam, somewhat. But at the same time, dude, I, I I've been involved with uh, with monster jam and Grave Digger my entire life. So I've dealt with tons of TV stuff. 
the behind the scenes stuff, see what the, the, the stuff that goes into it. And, but I honestly, and you asked questions about, you know, we, you know, my dad and, and, uh, kind of learned a little bit of, of my history and my family's history and the trucks and just, it just in barely, barely talking about it, you know, just sitting at the stage up there doing that shoot. But, uh, I honestly was, I was very curious. How, how did you get your start in this, in the business now and in TV? I mean, what did you do? How did you, is it, was that your passion? Obviously it is. Yeah. You know, it was something that I had always wanted to do growing up. I was kind of fascinated with Hollywood and, and Los Angeles and the life of an actor and, you know, the glamor and all of that. Um, so I made up my mind at an early age that that's what I wanted to do. So I came to college in California. Uh, I went to Whittier, which is about a half hour outside of LA. Um, went through college. I actually went to law school also and um, took the bar exam and passed it on my first try. And law was always going to be my backup plan. So I literally started going on auditions to be an actor uh, right after I took the bar. And I was a, I was a, you know, an okay actor. I definitely got some jobs. I made a ton of commercials and a few TV shows and some movies and stuff. And then after about eight years of kind of toiling away. I went on an audition for overhauling and they were looking for actors to be on the show who were also going to be the host. So we could improvise the pranks. So I went in and I was very loose in the audition, just having a good time. And I was lucky enough to get the job. And after doing a couple seasons of overhauling, maybe even a couple episodes, I was like, wow, you know, I think hosting is my thing and not acting because I'm much better at being myself than I am trying to be a character. So that was kind of the, the transition. And I mean, that was now, that was 17 years ago that we started Has making it. Has it really overhauling. been that long? We started making it in October of 2003. So we're coming up on 17 years and, Dang. you know, so now after having a great relationship with discovery, all those years, they put me on other shows and uh, other projects and I've just kind of just carved out a niche, but that's really how I got started. Overhauling is what really, launched my career and you know it, it changed my life i I, well, watched, gotta, I watched you on it man i did i definitely watched you and uh and and i like i i didn't prior to that I, I didn't know who you were but i knew i can hear your voice now i know exactly who you are you know it's uh and which that's i think that's kind of a really cool thing i i feel like uh you know i feel like that if you're if i'm walking through my house and i can just hear a voice and know exactly who it is that that that's that's pretty badass, man. That's pretty cool. So, um, and, and but I did yeah, I watch the overhaul, and I actually sent in and, and sent in stuff. I, I whatever you had to do, I can't remember what you had to do to sign up or do it because yeah, my dad right. had a street legal grave digger back in the early nineties. Well, I wrecked it, and then we took it apart, and we had the pieces all over the place, and it was just one of those projects <laughs> that lays around. And I swear, yeah. I sent in emails and did stuff. I'm like, man, this would be so cool if I could get my dad's street truck rebuilt for him that I wrecked and we started to rebuild and never did. But uh, <laughs> that, that actually would have been a great project. That would have been really cool to uh, redo the truck. Yeah. We well, actually did really, a school I'm, bus for uh, John force. on Overhaul, I seen it. We really actually, cool. Bryce brought me to go see it. Bryce bought, brought me out there to the, the force at, at his museum. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, he was in there uh cursing out some people about some vinyl wraps or something trying to get the work done and uh he was gracious <laughs> enough to take some pictures with us and stuff and uh that's what a lot of people call a lot of people uh put my my dad and john force are like the same kind of people they are just unruly and wild yeah. and uh loud and they always have energy so my, but my dad sleeps in a recliner all night or all day but it, as long as he's in public he's wide awake <laughs> and hey, and you know what, Bryce? Bryce is the through line there, having his start in uh, in drag racing, and now in Monster Jam, he's the he's the connective tissue between John Force and your dad. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. See, uh, well, and that's what's funny too, because we 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 got to kind of interview John Force a little bit, and uh, I I had uh, uh, I can't even remember how I bumped in and kind of had had met Ashley Force, uh, but she's kind of become an acquaintance over the years, and. And uh, always loved her family and, and everything they had done. But I never really knew John. I don't know Courtney, never met Brittany uh, or any of the other uh, forces, honestly. But Ashley's always just treated us really well. So when we're in Anaheim, like I'll try to get her and her husband who who uh, tunes a funny car 
Uh, I think he was on the advanced funny car there with Courtney. And then this past year was on, on uh, Brittany's racer. But anyway, um, and so we, I wanted Adam to experience NHRA. And, and anytime I can get out there, I kind of nerd out about going to John Force's place. But we did see the bus that you guys did yeah. with John Force. And he was talking about that too, uh, about just, you know, what it meant to him and stuff. And what's so cool too is like growing up, I mean, Chip Foose and still today, I mean, I, I would put Chip Foose as the, number one fabricator of and somebody and just artist and someone understands how to make cars art of probably anybody that I know. But here's what I've realized too, is like, I'm so glad that overhauling got, got picked back up because I realized that there were people in the younger generation that didn't necessarily know who Chip Foose was. Like they didn't know his work. And so has it been fun or have you seen any difference of kind of the reboot? I hate to call it a reboot, but, well, I mean, know, yeah, it, 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 it is it is a reboot and, you know, a thankfully a reboot. This is our, our third go round, which is amazing. You know, we first made the show from 2004 until 2007. Uh, we got canceled and then we took five years off and we came back in 2012 to 2015, took another three years off. And then we came back in 2018 and until 2020. So it's incredible that, you know, that just the longevity that the show has and the range it has, but um, you know, chip has always been chip. Uh, And I think what sets him apart from all other fabricators is that he can do it all from, from putting pen to paper to final product chip with enough hours could do it all himself. He can shape the metal. He can do the mechanics. You know, he can do it all. And he's got the vision. So he's in really a unique category. And he's the most humble person for his level of talent that I've ever met before in my life. He is so down to earth and always takes time for the fans and will talk to anybody and sketch for anybody and truly genuinely cares about people. Um, so, I mean, he, he's just been incredible to work with over the years and to maintain a friendship with, and I I just have so much respect for the guy. He's amazing. Well, there's one of these things on, on your uh, Instagram, which is at Chris Jacobs, seven zero, by the way, for anybody out there listening, Chris Jacobs, 70, um, on Instagram. And, uh, one of those where you can kind of save the Instagram stories or, uh, I can't remember, I think they're called bookmarks. But uh, right underneath where you, you, you know you see that you're following somebody and there's yeah. all these bubbles and there's one that you titled uh, Foose Design. And like I was watching that because I was watching uh, Chip's interaction with you and, and I can tell because he was kind of ribbing you, right? He was trying yeah. to get a car done and it was basically <laughs> bare metal chassis uh, work, fab work, and he had... 48 hours to get this thing done and you're doing an Instagram video and he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, Chris, thanks a lot for your help getting this thing done by Sunday. You know, yeah, that was-, that was the Jaguar that he was finishing for SEMA uh, this past year. And I mean, it's incredible that, you know, literally less than 10 hours before they were going to roll it to the BASF booth where the Jaguar was being um, displayed, they were still working on it at his shop. Gosh, I mean, they were right down to the the eleventh hour. It was it was truly incredible. But that's the work ethic that Chip has. I mean, I've literally seen this guy stay up for four days in a row working on a car on overhauling. For the, one of the episodes that we did in in Vegas at SEMA, I think it was the uh, the fifty um, that we went from a a four door sedan to a two door convertible. He literally stayed up for four days fabricating this car. It was unbelievable. But that's just the work ethic and the and the drive and the dedication that he has. He's truly one of a kind. I mean, he is never idle. When he sits down for lunch, he starts redesigning the salt shakers. It's really amazing the way that Chip's mind works. He can't turn it off then. He can't. No, he's a genius. And, but you guys are like, I mean, and, and, and in that video, I can tell, I mean, you guys are kind of buddies too. Is oh, that, I mean, I mean is sure. that pretty accurate? He's, he's one of my closest friends. In fact, on Sunday... Uh, we're all hopping on an airplane, uh, also with Ant Anstead from uh, Motor Trend also, and Cody Walker, uh, and Sung Kang from the Fast and the Furious series. We're all going out to Bondurant High Performance Driving School, and we're having a track day. Huh. So it's just, uh, you know, the kind of friends we are. We're like, uh, you know, just, hey, want to do this? Yeah, let's do it. So 
the owner of yeah. the track is actually coming out to pick us up in his plane. We're all going to hop on his plane at uh, Van Nuys Airport, fly out there, have a track day, and then come back Sunday night. <laughs> what a life. Yeah, tough life there, it's gonna Chris. Be good. It's going to be good. Yeah. And <laughs> so Ron who's Ron, not in it Ron, now? Ron, I mean, Ron Ron's a pretty cool story. Um, yeah. So you guys know that I, I recently sold my GTX for charity at Barrett Jackson, right? You know that I story? Did not. I didn't say, yeah, yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, I, I had a, I had a, I had a 68 Plymouth GTX custom that had chips paint job on it and chip foos wheels. And I did a, uh, an, an engine swap on graveyard cars, which is another show on, uh, on motor trend. Cause I'd had an engine fire. And so instead of trying to rebuild the, you know, old carbureted six pack 440, we did a, a swap out with a, a crate 392 Hemi that Mopar donated and we sold it for charity benefiting the C4 Foundation, which is an organization that, that helps Navy SEALs and their families either when they're preparing to leave, while they're deployed, and when they come back from deployment. It's this amazing foundation, c4foundation.org if you want to check it out. But I, I donated the car to them, and then the car sold for $300,000 for charity with all the money benefiting the C4 Foundation. And the owner of Bondurant Racing School was the one who bought the car. Oh, so man. we, be- we became friends and uh, that's who's hosting us um, for this track day that we're having. But Bondurant driving school in and of itself is a really amazing story because as you know, Bob Bondurant legendary rally driver was the one who started the school. And then Bob became uh, older and the school fell into bankruptcy. So the, the school was bought out of bankruptcy by the same guy who bought my GTX and he's refurbished it repave the track and is launching the school again so mm-hmm. i just i just think it's such a cool thing and so important to not only keep bob bondurant's legacy alive but to keep alive a place where we can go and have fun and have track days which is which is bondurant it's out in arizona beautiful facility and uh they've all become friends of mine so i do whatever i can to support bondurant and going out and having a track day and shooting some content and putting the word out that they're open again is exactly what we're going to be doing this Sunday, and that's in that's in the uh, Phoenix area, and that where Chandler, the Chandler, Arizona. Yeah, it's about a half hour outside of Phoenix. Okay, so th- this is the perfect idea. Then, Adam, uh, the next time we're in Glendale, and uh, I know that we were originally supposed to be in Glendale, Arizona, for uh, All Star in October, but yeah, yeah. we don't. You know, we're, we're still kind of waiting on word for for you know when we can restart Monster Jam, which should, hopefully will be soon. Uh, once all of us get out of this apocalyptic chapter of our lives. Huh. Uh, but so you and I, Adam, we've got to make sure that next time in Glendale, we're going to Bondurant. That sounds great. Yeah, you know, you guys got to do it. You know, there's a drag strip right next door, too. It's Wild Horse Motorsports Park, oh. which you guys are probably familiar with. That's yeah. that's where yeah. Bondurant is. Yeah. So I've driven their demons on the drag strip also. So they have a they have a safety uh, um course you can take for young drivers defensive driving they have a, a beautiful road course two of them actually because they've been doing formula four cars out there again too and then um uh the drag strip so it's it's just such a fun day out there really cool packages and stuff and you know if you love cars and love to drive fast that's the place because they have the cars and the tires and you get to get behind the wheel and beat yeah. on them what's the biggest thing that you learned at Bondurant since, because you've been before, right? I mean, you're, you're pretty plugged into this place. I've, I've this. been, I've been several times. I mean, you know, I love to drag. I, I prefer the drag strip to the, to the road course. So I, you know, I learned how to trans brake and, and all the, the kind of tricks and anticipating the tree and things like that. They, they have amazing instructors out there. And then on the road course for the first time ever, I never knew how to do this. I had heard of it before, but uh, Mike McGovern, who's the chief instructor at Bondurant, was teaching me a little bit about uh, heel-toe shifting and really mm-hmm. the principle behind heel-toe shifting. So um, uh, I, 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 I kind of knew what it was, but I really didn't know how to do it or why you did it. So I'm starting to learn about that, which is really cool. I'm in no way accomplished at it, but I think just like knowing what it is and understanding the principles behind it is the first step down that road. And, and what's like the biggest thing that you would tell somebody though? Because some people listening, they would say, um, you know, well, you know, why do I need an instructor? Like I need to go out and just take laps. Like, what yeah, well, you, you know, I, I, I would say the biggest thing that I learned is looking down the road. You know, you're looking, you're not looking at the turn you're in. You're looking at the next apex cone that's coming. 
And as soon as you're pointed towards that apex cone, you're looking towards the next one. Mm. You know, you really got to, you got to drive heads up. You got to think five to 10 seconds down the track versus where you are on the track. Yeah. Cause once the car is in the position that it's in, nothing's changing there. You can only change what's happening next. So you better be looking there. And, and how do they handle like the, the getting out of control? Because I mean, in any motorsport, you have to find that point of going what what I call past zero, yeah. which is, you right. know, you got to find that line and go past that line to understand where the line really lies. How does Bondurant handle you teaching you like, hey, we've got to take you past, you know, the, the, the line to, so that you know it so you can kind of back off a little bit and, and do it the right way? Well, I think the way they do it is they have instructors in the cars with you. Uh, they're driving and then they're in the passenger seat. So they're kind of showing you how to find that edge that you're talking about. Because another thing that Chief McGovern talks about, Mike McGovern, he's like, you know, yeah, it's really like you're almost floating. And you guys know this from from tons of experience behind the wheel in any kind of vehicle. It's that on the edge driving where you're almost out of control, but you're not. That's when you're the fastest. And that's really what they try to teach you too. It's where to put the car on the track, in what places. And again, thinking about where you're going to be in five to 10 seconds. So here's what's ridiculous about the way that they're building these cars too, because I know they've got, they've got uh, Hellcats out there. They've got yep. Vipers and they've got all yep. this cool stuff. Um, uh, you know, what's, what's crazy is the way they're building this stuff. And this is what I try to, I've, I've tried to explain to people too, about even the monster jam trucks. They are built for that edge. Meaning if you, if you underdrive a high performance vehicle, you will cause yourself more, uh, more, not more harm, but you will put yourself in actually more danger by under driving it. You have to find the edge and it likes speed. It likes to, the, 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 it, it likes to give, you know, for you to give something like that, a little bit of attitude to take it through a track. Now I'm not a road course expert i would love to learn more about road course racing it's just something i've never done in my life really it's um it's actually a bucket list thing for me is to do is not not necessarily to just do it but i want to build a vehicle to do it but yeah. uh, but the road course stuff you're not supposed to I, maybe i'm more so want to do the drifting thing yeah. maybe because I, some of the don't chris am I, I don't know they a lot of times they don't they some of the guys around locally there's like old airports that are shut down and they do some, they, some course road course stuff they set up and, but they, they're not allowed to spin tires. And I'm like, uh, well, I, <laughs> How's I don't that work. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to do that. So, yeah, no, you, you know, you, I think, and, and Bryce, I think what you were talking about was that, you know, the, the, the oversteer is basically what we're talking about. The, you know, the underdriving is oversteer and you, you have to find it within yourself to keep the throttle down two seconds longer going into a turn. And when you're in something, you can't release the throttle. Like you guys are up in the air in a monster jam truck. You're controlling the trajectory of the truck through the throttle. And you're really doing the same thing on the road course too. If you let off the throttle in the middle of a turn, you're going to lose it. You have to, you have to have the fortitude to stay on that throttle a little bit longer, a little bit deeper into the turn and really be able to hit that apex. I mean, it's very, very delicate. And I am by no means uh, an accomplished driver. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm fast because I'm reckless. I'm not fast because I'm skilled. You know? <laughs> I like that. I like that. I'm, 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 I'm spinning right a lot there. of tires. I'm spinning a lot of tires. <laughs> I think the Andersons may adopt you after that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That was the best. You know, that's one of the one of the job offers I got in my in my my racing career was from Travis Pastrana to go race his NASCAR when he bought was in the NASCAR scene. And I told wow. him, "Nah, dude, I'm too heavy. I can't do that. And I can't believe I said that to him. And then he was serious and I had no clue. And uh, what? Yeah, you never told me that. Wow. I didn't. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah, I'm. He did. He offered me because he was. It's when he was had the Nitro Circus stuff, and uh, he had a Nitro Circus truck, and he would drive a couple shows. And we're we're good. We're pretty good buddies. And uh, and he he was like, man, he said, what have you ever thought about, you know, driving NASCAR? I'm like, uh, no. And then I'm like, 
It, it took me a couple of days, and I realized what I did. I basically turned on a job offer to to race in NASCAR. <laughs> but yeah. uh, <laughs> it was like, well, right, shoot. just go, just go right to the major leagues, you know? No, yeah, yeah. No ninja, yeah I mean, nothing, I was set right no in. No warm you know up, I mean? nothing. Yeah, nothing. I was right in there, and I, I was like, yeah, I'll know, dude. No, I'd never do that. And then I was like, huh, I probably should have done that. But uh, <laughs> that's my closest I've ever been to road racing. Gosh, well, that's a, that's pretty close. <laughs> Well, the next time we're in, I'm telling you, the next time we're in Glendale, we need to get hooked up with a Bondurant. You guys uh, let me know, and I will, I will set it up for you because it is, yep. it is a blast out there, man. It is we'll take great, all the Moss Jam drivers, and, and and that's the thing is, we want, I want to go out there and compete because none of us drivers. I mean, there's a couple drivers that have done some road course stuff, and and uh, to your point, I mean, if, if they're all over Wild Horse, Wild Horse is where uh, I took Adam, and that's the first is time that Adam. Where I went? Yeah, yeah, that, that was when with clay milliken and it was nitro tech oh i love clay clay's such a great yeah. guy we were in we we're in uh the middle east together last november at that okay. saudi car show out there yeah that was cool he, was yeah. ta- he talked about that we did the podcast with him uh that was actually our last one before the pandemic really set in and we were uh we had clay on with us for a while yeah he's great yeah, our longest clay. podcast 90 minutes long so if anybody's listening to this go back to season one listen to clay milliken <laughs> he talks uh, almost as much as bryce well, we, well, it's funny because we, we shut off the podcast and then we all talked for an hour longer after we stopped recording. <laughs> so we had a great That's time. Awesome. But I put Adam there at Wild Horse about just right off of the wall uh, at about 300 feet out because Adam had never experienced nitro-powered machines. Wow. And so I put Dude. him there. It wasn't an NHRA endorsed event. It was just testing, so there weren't as many rules. And uh, sorry to Bree and the rest of Adam's family because to me, I, I was probably I put him in in a very dangerous situation. But it was all for the social media content. Okay, yeah. and I got what I. It was very good. Do very it, good content. Doing it for the gram. Yeah, Do it for the gram. We did a slow mo right. video. We had a professional uh, camera guy come out and and just do slow mo videos of me standing there and it was horrid <laughs> <laughs> jumping like but it does it feels like a grenade's going off uh, behind your back but um so chris obviously you're a car guy and i think that that's important for people to understand that you know you're not just a host of a car show like th- this stuff has gotten into your blood was it always in your blood even when you knew that like growing up that you wanted to be a tv host or yeah, was you know, it because it, you got overhauling that be- it was a- yeah I I was definitely a, a fan of cars growing up. I think we all have this feeling where, you know, we're little kids and we see cool cars and it does something to us. Um, I definitely had that. I, I certainly didn't have the knowledge that I have uh, later in my life, but my dad was a Porsche guy while I was growing up. That's where my love of 911s comes from. Um, one of my brothers had a 66 GTO. Uh, another one had a, a later model Camaro. So my family always kind of had cool cars around, and I always appreciated cool cars. So um, I was always into them. I just didn't really know much about them. Mm-hmm. So when I got overhauling, that really, you know, kind of the floodgates opened. And certainly doing Barrett Jackson, um, you know, I got I got a lot of knowledge from that, and uh, I just I love it. I mean, the the jobs that I do are are a dream. You know, um, it's things that I would want to be doing anyway so to be able to get paid for them and kind of be the conduit to the audience you know when i'm doing barrett jackson or i'm I'm doing other kind of car related stuff certainly the diesel brothers events i'm i'm there as a fan who is representing the fan base and so i'm trying to ask questions and bring the perspective uh that that the people sitting at home would want to see so i'm just kind of you know a fanatic like everybody else is. And I I love cars and I try to bring a little bit of knowledge, uh, especially during Barrett Jackson, you know, with the various cars that I'm talking about. So I try to drop a little nugget that people might not know about the car in general or the car that I'm talking about particularly. I try to bring a little bit of uh, fun facts. Absolutely. And do you have it like, what is your dream? Because I know you've got a, you've got a, a, a Hellcat. Which is unbelievable to me that these cars exist. Honestly, when I saw them and, and at, at the beginning when these things came out, they were, uh, I, it's not that I thought that they were a fad, but like, you know, companies were putting out cars all the time. And, and I really honestly did not pay much attention to the Hellcats 
until my, my uncle owns a drag strip is actually the drag strip I grew up on. My grandfather used to own it's, it's now called Kentucky dragway. It's in clay city, Kentucky. And, uh, he had, it honestly got my attention because last year he got, he probably had 35 or 40 people that owned Hellcats. So about 35 or 40 Hellcats show up just to test on like a Thursday night nice. um, at his drag strip. And they set the re- the world record. I think it was a seven seven point six six in the quarter mile off of wow. a Hellcat. Now, like, are you and, talking about a Hellcat or a Demon? I'm pretty sure, I guess it was a Hellcat. I mean, I, that's what I... Hellcat. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's legit. That's legit for a Hellcat. So, uh, so the Hellcat's kind of like the, and when I say base, it's really a misnomer, but it's the base model high performance challenger. I have a red eye, which uh, is the middle kind of performance model. And then the demon is the, is the Mac daddy. So the Hellcat gives you about 707 horsepower. The, the, the red eye is 797. It's the same engine with just a slightly smaller throttle body than the demon, where if you set it up on pump gas on, on, racing gas uh you can get 840 out of it okay so yeah it's the demon is the mac daddy yeah okay it's, it had to have been a demon hell i just know that these guys what was blowing my mind was that the ability to tune these things um off of a, a showroom floor but being able yeah. to tune them and because they ran a, they ran a 766 from what i understand I, I now i'm going back and i'm realizing all the things i was assuming which was you know, that they ran these things on radials. Uh, but I mean, it's just, it's insane. What, the, yeah. whatever happened there. And I'm going to go back and ask my uncle what happened, but uh, uh, you know, to think about the horsepower coming out of these things and the performance that car companies are getting out of these cars, it, it's, it's ridiculous to me. So you've got a red eye Hellcat and uh, yeah. did you buy it because it was a fad? Did you buy it because you like going out there and doing burnouts? I mean, I, I saw a picture of it and your thing, I mean, your Hellcat <laughs> looks clean, my man. It doesn't look yeah. like you've been doing oh, yeah. burnouts on it. I don't no. know if it's just because you wash no, a lot or what. <laughs> well, that, that picture was taken immediately after a detail. So it, yeah, it, okay. did look, it did look very good. I, I do like to smoke the tires on it a little bit. Uh, I did not buy it because it was a fad. I bought it because it's a badass car. I mean, it's it's crazy. Just just putting your foot into it a little bit and you get a little squirrely. It's just an unbelievable feeling. Um, and they're, they're unique. I mean, you know, there's a lot of challengers out there, but when you see that uh, Hellcat badge on the fender and then you notice the the red eye in that Hellcat badge, um, <clears throat> you know, you're dealing with some serious modern muscle. And that's kind of why I bought it because I wanted to have that same feeling as the guy in 1970 who bought the, the Hemi Challenger. You know, where he was just he not everybody who saw it knew what it was, but people who knew what it was had a lot of respect for that car. And um, it's it's like seeing a Grand National. You know, that was my favorite car in high school to to 99 percent of people who see it. They're like, oh, it's a Regal, you know. But if you know what a Grand National is, you you're loving seeing it. So you kind of get the same feeling for people who are seeing a certainly a Hellcat and definitely a red eye and definitely a demon like guys who know what a demon is and they see one because they only made 500 and you know, whatever. Oh no, sorry. That was the grand national. They made 3000 for the U S market and 300 for the Canadian market. So they're very rare cars. So when you see a demon, you know what it is and you're like, Holy shit, this is badass. You know, 840 horsepower. That's, that's no joke. But did you uh, say something about a grand national? I I actually owned a Grand National for a couple of years. That was my dream car in high school, which is why really? I bought one. Yeah, we've had we we haven't had we've had a we we've had a couple of uh, uh but they've never had the original motors. Yeah, we had stuff. We had the the best one had a four ninety six in it, and that thing was unruly on the street. It was uh, ridiculous. Yeah. My dad used to take me to school in it, and uh, he did. <laughs> of yeah, he did it. I think it had like uh it had like three inch uh three inch flowmasters on it or something. It was and it sounded just rowdy as, as could be. And uh he we, we used to race everybody. My one buddy's dad would talk smack um it, to his stepson at the time and and I told my dad, I was like, Hey dad, he this guy wants to race you and so my dad we drove to his house. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you gotta love those G bodies too. They're just so American. It, is. it was, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what's funny too, because like all of the classic muscle cars, 
Um, I, I've been very closed off to to uh, horsepower that's come out of these organizations in the last probably five to ten to fifteen years. Right? I just I don't really care. Uh, you know what? Whatever Ford comes out with next, or GMC or Chevy, all of it just seems so cookie cutter. You know, when I look back and I look at these old older muscle cars, I mean, I've got a 1970 Mustang Mach One. Uh, with a 351 Cleveland, uh, uh, it had an FMX uh, transmission on it, which was true to the numbers. And I just built a C4 to it. Like I, I nerd out about old school muscle. I'm not a Ford versus Chevy versus GM. I'm not that guy either. I don't care if it goes fast. I want to drive it. I'm not that, you know, I know Adam, Adam's like all Chevy all the way. His wife bought a Ford Explorer and he is mortified Mm -hmm. that he has a Ford in his uh, driveway. I don't care. I right? didn't think what after she paid for it and we were gone and it parked in the driveway. I said, I hate this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even get that either. None of that makes sense to me that there's such, there's such a, it's actually, it's a very nice, and it's the, it's the sport model. So it's twin turbo. It's got four, 400 horsepower family ride. So it's not too bad. Okay. See, but when you look at these old school muscle cars and comparing to what they're doing now, it is very impressive what some of these car companies uh, like Dodge is doing and, and, and some of these organizations that are putting out true American muscle. And, and to me, what I've realized, too, with these Hellcats and some of the other, you know, Ford's putting out some pretty impressive stuff right now, all that stuff. Right. But it, it, to me, I'm like, OK, the good news is I hope that true American muscle didn't die in the 80s. You know, and just it, it was done because I haven't seen really anything very impressive in the last 20 years until we start, we're starting to see some of these Hellcats, stuff like that coming to bat. Do you think that this is like a, a cultural shift when it comes to American muscle, Chris? I mean, what do you think? Where does it go from here? And can we revive, I'll call it the good old days of American muscle with what we're, we're coming up with now? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, real American muscle, I think, died in 73 with the, the you know, the emissions and, and the gas guzzling and all of that. Um, that's when really the high horsepower original kind of American muscle died out. There was a little resurgence in the 80s, you know, with the 5.0 Mustangs and things like that. But this is a true revival. I mean, the with the, the, the Ford Mustang coming back, the Camaro, the Corvette, and certainly the Challenger. And it's it's uh, various levels of performance. It's back. There was there was a little little period there, a little window where I thought, oh wow, this is all going to go away and everything's going to become electric, and then things just came roaring back. I mean, you know, look at the new uh, uh, Shelby Cobra GT500. That thing's insane. I know Corvette's got plans to do a, a thousand horsepower uh, build, um, and certainly Dodge is going to keep uh, keep raising the bar too with what they're doing. Um, so I love it. I mean, you know, hey, electric's great. We all love the environment. You know, we want to keep our, our fuels down and things like that. But there is no feeling like tagging a high-powered V8. You know, there's yeah. just there's 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 just it's a it's a sound and a rumble and a and a vibration that is is so unique. And that's why cars and car guys, if you go back all the way through to the invention of the car, it's all for that love. The love has never changed. The, the, the vehicles, the engines, the styling, all of that has changed. But the love of the automobile and the freedom it represents and the personality extension that it represents, that is exactly the same as when Carl Benz and Henry Ford and those guys were doing it 100 plus years ago. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I got so many. I have so many different personalities. So many. <laughs> I, I do. I have so many different personalities. I have, uh, you know, from my 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 2020 Silverado. That's me. That's my dad life. I guess you could say that I'm still kind of tough. I still got it, but I'm settling down, uh, to my 1974, uh, with the, the coming swap four linked and, and, uh, 44 inch boggers. That's the worst and most inconvenient thing to get in and out of. And, but, uh, it makes me a little tougher, uh, down to today. I, I, my wife doesn't even know this. I purchased a 1992 S10 with a utility body on it uh, because I wanted a toolbox that drives itself. And she had, <laughs> so, uh, man, I have so many different car personalities. What is your dream car, Adam? Like, have you? Uh, there's a couple different things. So, like, if I was going to go, you know, and honestly, and Chris is talking about the, the electric stuff, and uh, we've been in, so I've been in some Tesla stuff that is unreal. 
uh, but we do not have charging stations uh, readily available here where I'm located. Uh, but that's kind of something cool. But honestly, like old school is a is got to be a sixty uh, sixty six Chevelle. Just the lines on it are clean. It's simple. Uh, but I but but the deal is I want a five forty in it. Uh, five forty. Uh, but it, but not I'm not even with a blower. Just a, just maybe uh, nowadays maybe I would put uh, EFI on it so you could drive it. But like some a big cubic inch big block. Uh, modern would be. Um, uh, a CTSV wagon. Uh, we have, we, we had those and, uh, we had one as a, somebody lent us one. Uh, Ryan and I almost wrecked it going about 80 miles an hour. And, um, it was unbelievable the power that it had. It was awesome, but it, which is still nothing compared to even what that sounds like the Hellcats have, man. That's crazy to me. Yeah. The, those yeah, are the ones jumping nuts. straight top of my list i think so that's that's uh the hellcats are are pretty interesting to see what they've done so actually cool. my new one's a van I, I, i'm into a van i've always kind of been yeah. into vans i'm kind of weird i'm a kind of a weirdo so i always uh, I, I kind of wanted to get like one of the uh the, the the chevy express vans and then build like uh just some crazy ls motor and put it in so it's a sleeper so you pull up and like look at this weirdo selling bicycles and candy out of this van and then just uh it has like you know it has like 800 horsepower to the rear wheels. And like, oh, oh, see you guys later. I'm just going to go pick my kids up. So I, I will say this, uh, a fun little story for everybody, because I, I can attest that Adam likes to test what kind of horsepower a van would have. And Adam drops me off. It's 4.38, and we drive for the night. After after we finally get done with the Monster Jam Stuntacular in Florida, uh, we load up the muffin van, which you, again, you need to uh, understand what we're talking about. Uh, make sure you get the the Monster Jam Encore, Stuntacular Encore, Gears and Nachos uh, podcast will air as soon as the show ends, where we're going to talk about the world records. We're going to talk about our, our different experiences that all the drivers are having throughout the week and and uh, and stuff like that in, our, in all of our attempts. Uh, but this muffin van uh, ha- has become legendary. Adam drops me off 4:30 a.m. pulls into my driveway, high beams, uh, and we're on this Ford Sprinter 18 passenger van that, that's that's really treated us very well all week. High beams on my neighbor's house, whose whose living room lights are on, and uh, and and everything's pitch black. I, we pull up. I, I get out of the van. Of course, I'm a zombie. Everybody's a zombie except for Adam because he took some of those like, like truckers truck stop truckers love it. <laughs> <laughs> trucker's he took, choice he, he took those caffeine pills man that he get at a, at a gas station that you should not there, there's no way they're fda approved or, i didn't blink i know i did not blink for 45 minutes a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> but he got us home and, and i slept in the back for a couple hours anyway but high beans are on and we get out ryan anderson is in there and of course he, he has to pee so he pees well, he's peeing straight towards my neighbor's house, whose lights are on, and I'm and, and all of a sudden I'm getting my bags out. I'm not going to say anything because I probably got to go pee too. And uh, I'm I'm walking in the house, and uh, the the neighbor's lights are off, so obviously they're awake. Obviously they shut their lights off to look through their blinds. I don't know if they call Ryan peeing or not. I don't know what happened. But then all of a sudden I'm I'm fiddling with my lock. I can't get in the house, and I can't get my code and stuff like that for my door. And, and all of a sudden, this 18-passenger Ford Sprinter van is backed up on my road, and all I hear is the RPM skyrocket <laughs> and the converter coming up going, no, 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 And he's flooring it down my, my road, and as soon as he gets by my neighbor's house for the next 1,000 feet, he lays on the horn at 4 a.m., <laughs> It's 4 a.m. He lays on the horn. He's waking up all my neighbors. Everybody. And, uh, nice neighborhood. The, the nice neighborhood. And they're looking up out, out their windows and stuff like that. So then they they text me the next morning. And, of course, I made up a story to get back at them. Like, I thought that they would be all worried. And I said, man, you, you got the cops called. Like, the police officer showed up at my house and because they're, they're, my neighbors thought I was being kidnapped and thrown in this 18 factory. And, and in true Anderson fashion, too, all of them were like, oh, man, that's awesome. That's really cool. No problem. And they just went on about their day. It wasn't like, oh, my <laughs> I gosh, was, I was so pumped. I'm like, dude, that is the best story ever. 
That's hilarious. But that's not even true either. So anyway, but I can attest to Adam Anderson pushing the performance of a minivan. So you can have your minivan. I'll have my Hellcat. Uh, Chris Jacobs is going to get in a a Monster Jam truck. We're going to make that his vehicle or something. Uh, We know when Monster Jam University gets kicked off, that's exactly what we need to do. We don't need to just get you out to Anaheim. And yeah, we'll give you the VIP treatment. We need to get you in a truck somehow. Yeah, I want to. I want to crash course without the crash. No, that's that's the only option. You, is a crash course. There's, there's no other option in Monster Jam. <laughs> well, man, we had such a blast uh, hanging out with you guys down in uh, in Florida, and I look forward to hanging out with you guys again. That's right, man. Well, everybody needs to log on to Discovery Channel, get the listing, get the times for the Monster Jam Stuntacular show coming up. As we go out and uh, numerous drivers, I think we have six or seven attempts uh, of trying to break Guinness World Records. We're trying to put our names into the history books, and Chris Jacobs will be with you all along the way as your host on the Monster Jam Stuntacular. Chris, man, we appreciate you. We uh, wish you nothing but the best and all the best of luck in your career. And the good thing is we know that our our, uh, paths are going to continue to cross, which is really exciting. That's right. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on here. Adam, Bryce, ha- had a great time hanging with you, man. Look forward to it again. Yep. Enjoy Bondurant. We'll live vicariously through you through the weekend, okay? You'll, you'll see it on social for sure. Good, good. At Chris Jacobs 70, uh, Bryce Kenny. You can find me at, at Warrior Bryce, Adam Anderson, at, a- Adam, a- <laughs> at Adam Anderson underscore GD as in Gravedigger, and uh, follow us, man. We love you guys. Gears and Nachos fans, thank you guys so much, and uh, stay tuned for our next episode coming up shortly. Let's do it.